Hello and welcome to a special mini-episode of the Well Played Podcast. I'm your host, Warren Curtis. Today we're talking about the Microsoft merger with Activision Blizzard King and the preliminary injunction that the FTC is seeking in the United States District Court of Northern California. If this is your first time joining us here on Well Played, welcome. Let me tell you a bit about what it is we do here. Most weeks, my co-host Amanda and myself bring you all the latest gaming news. Amanda's not joining us tonight because this is a mini-episode. However, she will be on Friday's episode, hopefully this week. We're here to talk to you about gaming from a mature adult perspective. What that means is we're not going to get into console wars, we don't wave a fanboy flag, and we don't get into petty arguments about whose console's better. What we will do is talk about uh, all the facts about gaming and the games that we're playing and the game industry in general in simple, clear language and give our opinions on why these things matter. We will talk about gaming as an adult and as parents, and we will also talk about the games we have been playing. You can find more from us on YouTube. The link is in the description and on Twitter by following us at Amarin Studios. That is A-M-A-R-R-E-N-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. We are also available as an audio show on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you want to catch your pods. Be sure to like us, rate us, ring that bell, follow and subscribe because all that helps everyone else find the show and we want those comments we want your feedback so let's hear it anyways let's get into it as i said on friday i wanted to do a uh, a standalone show which is what we call a mini here um just to talk about the ins and outs of what has happened during the uh the trial and what the possible verdicts could be what they mean and uh and kind of what the reactions to that will be um, of course, this is where I remind you that not only am I not a lawyer, sure doesn't look like I'm in a lawyer's house, um, and I'm not an expert on any trust law in any way, shape or form. I'm also not American. Um, my knowledge on this topic is more from a hobbyist standpoint, and I do not take any responsibility for any losses, financial or otherwise, that could come as a result of anything I've said on this program or any other. If you want to split the gains, however, hit me up. My DMs are open. With that being said, I am relying on information from sources that I feel are reliable, knowledgeable, and familiar with these topics. I am also looking at trends in the market and other kind of open-sourced information. Um, I want to be very clear here. I am not tapping any sources related to directly impacting this trial. Um, my sources are purely industry kind of uh, wide individuals that are familiar and uh, with some of these processes. Um, they don't have any bearing or any involvement in, in this directly. Um, when I say trends in the market, I am literally speaking of the marketplace of, you know, the, the stock exchange system. Um, and, I'm, and I look at trends and how that is going because that's what the spectators are doing. That's what the, um, that, that's how you can tell where the ups and downs are kind of having people are people hedge their bets on the stock market and they do that based off of good feelings and good intelligence um, and other open information that is found on the good old worldwide internet. Um, but there's, there's all sorts of uh, things like case law and things like that, that you can look up online and, and give you good ideas of what's what. Um, I also want to remind you that I don't have any bias here. Uh, as I say every week, I just said it a couple minutes ago, I'm not a console fanboy. I, I don't wave a flag for my favorite piece of plastic equipment that is better than the other plastic equipment from 
fill in the blank mega corporation. Um, I do, however, believe in fairness and how the government operates and that it needs to operate within the boundaries of law and not with some sort of like hidden agenda. And that's where my opinions on this matter, specifically on this Microsoft uh, ABK acquisition, um, kind of come into play. Um, with all those disclaimers and, and hubble blub out of the way, let's talk about this trial. Uh, this trial took about four and a half days um, over the course of which many experts and, and key people from many companies really made statements. Um, there was there was people from Sony and, and Google and uh, and Logitech and my, obviously Microsoft had a big impact there on it and there was expert witnesses on both sides and things like that. Um, so there, there's quite a bit of, of individuals involved in this. Um, the, the court itself is presided over by Judge Corley who uh, when she opened the first day of the trial, she explained that her son recently got a job at an unrelated sector of Microsoft and that his employment will bear no weight on her decision one way or another. I think it's worth discussing that, uh, especially some people seem to think that it automatically means that, her, that there's a conflict of interest there and that she should have reclused herself. Here's why that's actually wrong. Uh, first, the same could be said the other way around, really. Since she's employed by the government, and the government is the party who is trying to stop the deal, she would, in theory, have the same bias against the deal as she would for it. Um, the notion of that is completely insane, no matter how, which way you slice it, really. Uh, secondly, in that location of California, you'd be very hard-pressed to find someone who's independently employed by a company that doesn't benefit from a successful Microsoft. Like, you're, you're talking where all of this stuff happens you know and and that's why this this trial is being decided there this, that's where that happens right um her son works in an unrelated division and will not benefit from this deal in any which way so really she can't either she also disclosed that her kids played call of duty and that there's likely copies of it still in her house um although she doesn't know what system they used to play on Again, it's not a point of bias. Just because I drank a Coke doesn't mean I'm going to favor them in an important landmark decision, right? This does, however, illustrate the age range of her children and the fact that her son likely has a relatively entry-level job at Microsoft and, yet again, really has nothing to gain or lose whether this deal goes through or not. Um, moving on to things that do matter. Actually, before I, I move on to things that do matter there's a process in which you disclose potential conflicts of interest um, to to your higher ups in, in the court systems. And in this in that case, she would have very likely have disclosed the exact position and and department and everything that her son works at and, and went, here you go. Now it's up for somebody else to decide. They kicked the case to her. So therefore, and this is the second case involving Microsoft that she's presided over in relation to this Activision Blizzard King deal. So she's, she's over, uh, she's presided over the, um, the gamer lawsuit, which is a bunch of gamers saying this deal can't go through because it's a monopoly. Um, aside from the fact that it's a monopoly is completely incorrect. Uh, you know, that was a, a comedy in action. That's lawyers just making money off of people in my opinion. Anyways, moving on to things that do matter for real this time, uh, the trial and the decision to come, um, 
there's a few ways to do this. I think the best way is I think I'll recap the ways that the FTC, yeah, the FTC could stop it and the ways Microsoft could kind of beat that. Um, and what is kind of wrong or correct about those kind of arguments or, or methods. Um, first off, there's, there's kind of five different kicks of the can the FTC has here. Um, they have proposed five different areas of antitrust. And if they're successful with any of those, the deal gets blocked. Um, Microsoft, on the other hand, has to shoot every single one of those down, right? So they don't get five kicks of the can. They get, you know, one strike and they're out. Um, that being said, I think they have the superior lawyers and they've made the superior arguments. So we'll, we'll kind of get into that. Um, so let's go over kind of these areas and what's wrong with them. Um, the, the first two I've talked about a little bit on the, on the main show. Uh, the first two areas pertain to their so-called console market theory. They propose that there is two different markets here, or two areas here. Um, two issues with basically one being a narrow scope, uh, which is the high-performance video game console market. Uh, and that is basically just Xbox and PlayStation sitting all on their own. And the other being slightly wider in the fact that it includes Nintendo in the calculation. The gist of both of these theories is that if Microsoft were to foreclose Call of Duty, meaning to not sell it to Sony users anymore, that those users would be forced to purchase either an Xbox in the high-performance market or an Xbox or Nintendo in that other wider market. And this basically only works if we ignore a lot of things. We need to ignore that personal computers are a thing that exists, for one. Um, they exist. I'm using one to talk to you right now. Um, I'm using what would be called a high-end gaming PC to talk to you now. I could also run all of this software that I'm using right now, all this hardware, everything like that, on a $300 laptop. So, you know, the, the market's pretty wide, I would say, when it comes to gaming PCs, or when it comes to PCs. Um, we also have to ignore that a large amount, or we also have to assume that a large amount of PlayStation Call of Duty players don't already have an Xbox or Nintendo. Um, and depending on what market definition we're working with, obviously there. Um, and those exact same Call of Duty players from PlayStation love Call of Duty so much that they would go buy anything just to play it. Like they have to, they're, they're addicted to, it's a must do thing. Um, and that there are no other options. You know, we already talked about Xbox, Nintendo, touched on PC a little bit, um, but mobile or cloud-based as well that could uh, possibly be accessible to them. We also need to ignore all the deals that Microsoft has made about the availability of future Call of Duty titles. And we also need to ignore that Xbox has repeatedly said, including under oath in this very trial, that foreclosure of Call of Duty isn't going to happen. I can kind of imagine that you can begin to see why these two theories are pretty much dead in arrival, but let's, let's break it down kind of line by line. Um, personal computers from high-end gaming computers like this puppy here to introductory computers not only exist, but most households have them already, sometimes even multiple ones. And most of those will actually run Call of Duty to some degree natively. And with them, uh, with these games coming to GeForce now as part of one of the deals, you have the potential to play them with higher quality specifications than on a mid-level computer, right? Because 
you can use your your mid-level computer and you can set it to run on the most um, high-end NVIDIA video uh, card, right? Because it's cloud-based. So they're just emulating it on that video card and then sending you all that, right? So provided your internet, the pipe is big enough to get you all that data quick enough, you could still do it. Um, and Microsoft's not in control of any of that. Neither is, neither is Activision, neither is Sony, neither is anybody other than it's in between you and your internet service provider and what, what streaming service you use, be it GeForce Now or what, what have you. Um, when it comes to the factor of potentially purchasing another system to continue playing Call of Duty, the FTC's expert testified that his calculations arrived at approximately 20% of the PlayStation Call of Duty user base would buy another console to play the game. So 20% of the Call of Duty user base, I don't, we don't have the full amount of active Call of Duty players um, there, but just working backwards from their math, um, I would put 20% at a, a, what was that? I had that actually figured out there somewhere. Um, just over 30 million. So, you know, that, that's a fair, but actually, no, that's high. Just over 20 million. Um, either way, uh, that calculation, like my calculation right there, was would be heavily argued by the judge um, because the expert didn't source his math. I didn't really source my math. I just kind of went, huh? Uh, I think this is what it is. Um, but he didn't source any math. He cited no means of arriving at those numbers that gave him the 20% figure. He showed the 20% figure and how he got to it, but didn't sh show where he got the source information. There was no nothing giving him that information. Um, and, and in addition, there was no surveys or polls used, right? So it's not like they surveyed, you know, 500 or 1,000 or 100 or 10 or whatever PlayStation Call of Duty players that have no bias, have no recency bias or any any sort of biases over, um, over Sony being successful or not, and said, hey, if, if Call of Duty wasn't, available on this platform would you go buy another platform and you know one in five said yes they they didn't do any of that um it also didn't factor in if how many if any really of of the the 20 percent that already had another system that could play call of duty right so he didn't calculate that of that 20 percent of people that would have uh, that would potentially switch consoles to play call of duty if any of them actually already had another console that could play call of duty because that would be a really easy decision for me i have every system and every method available to play call of duty um but if i didn't it would be a little bit of a is call of duty really worth that three or four hundred dollar investment to me i don't know right so you know that's, that's kind of an interesting thing we know the ftc wanted to exclude nintendo from the market uh as well and which is really weird having that that gaming market without Nintendo in there. They they kind of made the thing popular, but you know whatever. Um, here's I, I got a few reasons why you can't do that. Um, first off, I've said it before, and I'm I'm going to say it again. There is no separate mark market um, for which system you can play on. Like that just how does that make sense? Let alone how you pay for your game. That's just even sillier to suggest. When you go to the video game store, you know, you, you look on the shelf and they have a PlayStation, they have an Xbox, they have a Nintendo. The the shelves 
for each console have about 80% of the same games, really. Like you're looking at it and they'll have, you know, the PlayStation one will have all these games and then like The Last of Us and Horizon Forbidden West and God of War. And the Xbox one will have all of them and like Halo and Forza. And the Nintendo one will have all of them and the Mario Party and Yoshi's Story and Mario Kart and blah, 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 blah. Right? But like most of them are the same. Which kind of brings me to the next point uh, already. If you look at the top 10 most popular platform games that are available, um, um, sorry, the top 10 most popular multi-platform games, not platformer games, multi-platform games, meaning they're available on Nintendo and another device. They're available on Nintendo's current system, which is the Switch. Um, and compared to the top 10 multi, uh, most popular multi-platform games that are available on either of the other two systems, your Xbox and PlayStation, um, they have eight games in common, right? That that's, seems to me that like the games are like FIFA and Fortnite and Apex Legends, right? The, these are the most popular, not necessarily the most highest selling, but the most popular, right? Which is the most played. Um, seems to me that like the Switch plays almost all of the same games, you know, different standard of quality, of course. Um, today, it's doing this, right? So who knows what the next thing is going to be. And the next thing that Nintendo's making is probably going to be playing the next Call of Duty. Like, not Call of Duty 2023, but the first Microsoft-made Call of Duty. So, really, it I don't see it mattering too much. Um, I think that effectively kills the high-performance console market. Like, that like kills that whole theory that that being a thing, even in even existing but just in case i also want to remind you that the xbox series s is also a thing and it's cheaper than the nintendo switch and it plays all the same games as the series x so how can you have a high uh, performance console market that includes something less expensive than the switch right like it it, it sandwiches the switch into the same market so i'm not even sure how they could point to a case in which the high-end and low-performance console markets are actually a thing, and you know how the, the, it wouldn't be affected by that, right? Like, it just doesn't add up to me. Basically, we don't know how many PlayStation users that play Call of Duty would buy a new console or a device to play Call of Duty, because we don't know how many of them actually own a device already that could play it, and also because no one actually asked them. Um, the final problem. Is really or the final problems, I guess, are all related to the first two. Really, cloud gaming does exist, but it's not a separate market. It's not like there's a huge contingent of people who absolutely have to play their games via cloud, and would actively refuse to play any games via any other traditional method, like on a locally owned device. Um, and all these cloud gaming providers have deals to get this game, or at least the vast majority of them do. Right, so the FTC is making their case about foreclosure of Call of Duty. They got to lay their bed, you know, lay in the bed that they've made, obviously. But um, if they're making their case about the foreclosure of Call of Duty, the fact that Call of Duty isn't being foreclosed pretty much throws that out right off the hop. Um, and mobile phones today really are just as powerful as what the FTC calls Gen 8 consoles, which upsets me. Like, I get it in the sense of technical specifications. They're trying to group them all together. Um, and that's something some beanhead in an office somewhere figured out. But anyway, sure. Um, so Gen 8 console, they're meaning PS4, Xbox One. Like, original, not PS4 Pro, not Xbox One X. PS4, Xbox One. Um, 
so phones phones are pretty much on par with that in, in capability in most ways. So there's kind of another avenue to access and buy, and it wouldn't be hard to scale the game down to work on most of those devices anyways. And of course, all these deals are that I just talked about in between Microsoft and, and NVIDIA and all these other places, um, all these deals are signed and ready to roll. Some of them are actually already began and they're receiving Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft side of the gaming catalog already. And even then we still need to remember that Phil Spencer under oath testified that he would not foreclose call of duty in any way, including making an inferior vi version of it to Sony. So like where, why is this argument being made is kind of my point. I think that kind of covers all those concerns, but in the interest of shedding some light on why so much of this is absurd, let's talk shop about what happened during the trial. Um, the FTC put forth a possible scenario of partial foreclosure where, foreclosure where Microsoft owns Call of Duty and it makes a special Christmas character as extra content. And then it makes that special Christmas character an Xbox exclusive. Um, the fact that the FTC thought that this was a wise example was jarring. Um, but the fact that the FTC, whose job it is to protect consumers, used this specific example is downright embarrassing and kind of shows their true intent of protecting the market leader, really, which is Sony, because this type of thing is happening already. Only it's Sony players who gain the extra content, right? Like right now, there's multiple pieces of, of content available in Call of Duty that is only available on the Sony PlayStation and not on the Xbox or any other platform. Um, if the FTC truly had any concern for the consumer in this scenario, they would have already launched investigations into this activity. I'm not saying they should do it, uh, but if they feel it's unacceptable to do it for Microsoft to do it, why are they letting it happen now? Like, you know, pick a lane. Anyways, uh, the FTC seems to have the view that an independent Activision would be free to negotiate these scenarios where a Microsoft owned one wouldn't, which is, yeah, okay, somewhat right. But it also ignores the current reality in which Sony has significantly more power in the market and uses that power to force these deals upon others. It says, you're, do you're doing this or you're not getting this money and you really want this money or this marketing deal or we're not going to put you on the platform. And... That's a huge thing because PlayStation has so many landed units um, that they need, you know, a developer needs to land on PlayStation in order to be successful uh, to some degree, right? Um, obviously, if that's not your target audience, you don't need to land on there, but for the most part, right? As I said earlier, there was two uh, theory markets, the high-end console gaming market or the high-end gaming console market and the wider gaming console market. Um, they also, for some reason, came up with a market for multi-game library su subscriptions and then a separate market for cloud gaming subscriptions and then a third super awesome market in which both of these services are offered or where there's services, sorry, that offer both of those uh, services. So a cloud and multi-game library subscription, which I think is what Game Pass is. But, you know, hey, that's fine. Um because that whole concept really is idiotic. Uh, there's no separation between those markets because they're all doing the same thing. All those markets are when you boil it down is really different revenue models. Um, 
why that is important is, is think about it. Like if I am in the market for a game and that game exists here, that I have this service or here where I don't have that service, obviously I'm going to go to the service, but just because it's on a service doesn't mean I'm going to sign up for that service just so I can get that game. If, if I am playing call of duty every year and that's the only game I play, right? I'm not going to subscribe to game pass. If call of duty winds up game pass, I'm not going to subscribe to it just for call of duty. Right. That's, that's, you know, what is it? $15 a month. It's just gone up. Actually, it's $16 American a month. I think that's $18 Canadian a month for game pass ultimate. So throw in some taxes, round it up. We'll call it 20 bucks a month, 20 times 12, right? $240 a year for a hundred dollar game. Doesn't really add up. So why would I do that just for that? Right. So that, ex and that excludes that purchase method, right? That's like kind of saying, that there's a different market for people that pay for their cars bi-weekly bi versus monthly or paying cash. Whereas we're all going to the same car dealership. We're all buying the same cars. We don't have to go to a different dealership if I'm leasing versus cash purchase financing or future value financing or any of the other possibilities. What if I want an 84-month financing program? Do I have to go to a special dealership? No. Right? So they're saying it's a different market. It's not a different market. It's a, it's a different method of extracting money from the consumer. It's all it is. Um, and, and really it's so stupid that they even put this case forward because a judge in the same court, like, so in the, um, Northern California, uh, United States district court, um, actually already threw out a case about this in relation to Apple, um, about the multi-game subscription markets, and Apple, it was about Apple Arcade for this very reason. It's just a different pricing structure. It's not a separate market. And uh, that's maybe why the FTC kind of avoided the theory during the closing arguments, but they sure went on about it during the trial. And uh, in the closing arguments, they kind of tried to stick closer to the cloud gaming thing, which is where the CMA is right now. Um, but again, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure that's gonna get defeated by the, uh, the CAT tribunal in the UK anyways, moving on. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to think about like, uh, how these different services and, and things like that impact it, but it in true in tr like real fashion, it has nothing to do with, with a, it being a different market. Um, cause it isn't like you're still buying the same thing. You're going to the same sources, generally to get these things, right? You know, um, I wear size 13 boots. I go to the same store as you get the size eight boots, right? You know, that, that doesn't exclude me from buying boots, right? And it's, it's, they're kind of saying the same thing. If you want to get your cloud gaming, you have to go here. Well, Maybe in some cases, yes, some cases, no, but that's, that's really a business innovation standpoint, not necessarily a, a market standpoint, right? There's no reason why a business can't offer both if they have access to both realms of data and, uh, for kind of clear picture on that or a better kind of analogy on that in the gaming hemisphere, look on PC, right? You have the Xbox game store on PC, or I think that's what they're still calling it. You have the Epic game store, you have steam. Well, all those are inherently the same thing. They go about it 
in different ways and some of them are more appealing to use than others but they're all the same thing they're not different markets right and that's all they're saying that they're making the same thing if i got my games on gog that makes it different or if i bought a humble bundle is that also in a completely different market than buying games from steam no but i'm getting a huge value with humble bundle but i'm not getting that huge value necessarily on on retail price at steam so it's kind of complicated and weird like i just don't understand the reasoning in between that and i think it's because the ftc really doesn't know what the heck they're talking about to be fair like they're like video games that's child stuff and then all of a sudden somebody got assigned to the case and was like oh shit we got to make stuff up right anyways um so really what can the court decide here well there's two obviously two possibilities the court can decide in this case, it's Judge Corley doing the deciding. There's no uh, there's no jury or anything. Um, can decide to grant the PI or deny it. If she grants the PI, Microsoft and ABK are going to file for an emergency motion uh, for an appeals court to lift the injunction. That's basically what's going to happen. Um, if she denies the PI, the FTC may file an appeal, but this might be the best time to kind of lick their wounds and return to base kind of regroup on things because their mission here isn't necessarily to bring down this deal. Their, their mission is to stop big tech in their tracks. And, and Lena Khan has said that much that this isn't a, you know, that this is to stop big tech. And she wishes that she could go back in history and do deals that were already done, which is like so anti capitalism, which is what America basically stands for. Right. So I think it's kind of a weird conflict to have. Anyways, um, if she denies the PI, uh, which means Microsoft wins the, the injunction hearing, um, Microsoft needs to wait at least five days before closing uh, the deal from the time the PI is denied. And that's just to, I think, allow all parties to, to react accordingly. Um, and, and, you know, there's there's different kind of thoughts as to, as to whether Microsoft would actually still close there uh, or will they wait for the CMA? Um, I think they close anyways, because I think they know which way the CMA judgment is going to go and they just don't want to chance anything screwing around. So I think they close anyways. Um, the the Closing over the, the CMA, it kind of takes the, the urgency off of the, the CAT tribunal hearing, but it, kind of still makes it very important and makes maybe makes it even more important because if they were going to get their chance to levy any decisions, they got to do it quick. Right. Or, or they're going to get excluded from the market basically while the appeals ongoing. Right. And, and you want to get that done, especially, you know, with things like the holidays approaching and business plans being developed, you, you'd want to do that because what they would have to do, what Microsoft would have to do is operate a separate entity in that market in order to be able to continue operating business and they would have to maintain status quo. So like Activision functions as Activision does today and Microsoft functions as, as Microsoft does today. And there would be no, no kind of correlation between the two, which would be kind of really weird. Anyways, um, how will the court rule? Well, I'm, I'm going to go about this the long way, but somewhat paraphrasing from Florine, Muller, who's the um, 
he he's the writer at Foss Patents. He's a a patent and antitrust law expert. This is his wheelhouse. Um, the FTC says that all uh, all that is needed to gain this preliminary injunction is an interesting question. And I say that may be true in their kangaroo court, but in a court of law, it isn't. And the, the thing is, is they have their own court system. There's FTC court. And they can be like, eh, we don't like this deal. We want to stop it. And their judge goes, okay. And then if you appeal it, where does the appeal go? To their judge again. And then he goes, okay. Right? It's it's so backwards. And that's why I think forcing them to sue for this preliminary injunction outside of, into federal court was was a smart play. Um, and really they didn't even have to force them. They just had to, basically the, ru- the, the rumor had to swirl that they were going to jump first and, and the FTC had to, had to react to that. So anyways, uh, in fact, and this is from Florian Mueller and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting him exactly. I'm para- paraphrasing him. In fact, a PI can only be granted if the court sees the, the FTC theory of harm has a reasonably strong indication to satisfy all the requirements of the PI, which I will talk about all those requirements in a second. The fact that a question is interesting doesn't matter at all. They seem to be relying on buzzwords like cloud and the fact that Microsoft is investing heavily into cloud as reasons for the question being interesting. So, you know, they want to sit there and go, well, it's cloud gaming, it's cloud that, and, you know, that doesn't mean anything. It's just a different method of, it's like watching a movie. Do I put in the DVD or do I see if it's on Netflix? It's really kind of where it is and how convenient either one is, right? Simple as that. Um, so again, they're using buzzwords that hopefully to entice people. And this judge is a lot smarter than that. She knows what these buzzwords mean. And she knows that most of it doesn't make any sense when, when you boil it down. The, you know, she was asking the correct questions. Um, the first requirement of getting a PI, as I said, is going to go into these, uh, these requirements. The first requirement is market definition. Um, which as I said, you know, the, the high end console market versus the, the standard console market, right? Google testified that they competed against Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo with their stadia. So right off the bat, that kills the market definition. Like Google cloud and console and PC are all one big happy family. And that would probably be like the first thing that the lawyers are going to use if Microsoft needed to during an appeal, right? Like it'd be like, well, Google said they competed with us. So how come there's a market definition that doesn't include Google, right? Um, the judge presiding over this case in the United Kingdom, when, when kind of question about cloud versus console gaming is why couldn't these games just be installed locally if, if they weren't available on the cloud, right? And everybody was like, well, they could be. And he's like, well, there you go, right? And he just moved on. Like he wasn't making a ruling decision. He was just more so kind of talking out loud with the people, with the parties involved. So I think they know where he's going to go with it anyways. Um, Essential input is another requirement, meaning in this case, the Call of Duty is so important to all gamers everywhere that it cannot be under any circumstances foreclosed to anyone. This of course completely ignores that it currently isn't available to and in effect is foreclosed to cloud gaming and Nintendo users right off the hop. None of them have it, right? 
and the FTC's own metrics show that only a minority of users would contemplate switching devices for the game. So there's only a minority of users inconvenienced here. And even more that the game isn't important um, to the vast majority of, of players, really. Right? They, uh, we did kind of learn this when we learned that the average yearly play time for the game is around 116 hours, which I did talk about in last week's episode. Um, 116 hours gaming speak, not a whole heck of a lot of time. Like Final Fantasy 16 is more than that for most people probably, right? So, you know, 116 hours, it's, it's a long time for a single title to play. Yes, it, it seems to be like on average, a lot of people are committed to this game for 116 hours. But in the grand scheme of things, over the course of how much other entertainment and other content that we consume as as consumers, um, it doesn't feel like that much, right? Um, the next requirement is the incentive to foreclose. Uh, so, what you know, we're going to make more money if we foreclose, or we're going to steer more people towards our product if we foreclose. The FTC couldn't even provide numbers or provide an argument for this part of the trial, and had to come up with this kind of weird market definition that excludes more than half of the gaming devices that exist just to even make it kind of make sense. Um, and this doesn't even consider the fact that Microsoft has sworn testimony saying that they won't do this. Like we keep on circling back to the same, yeah, but argument. Right. And, and even all that kind of withstanding, um, the money doesn't make sense. Right. Sony's where the money is. Microsoft's going to continue making money off of it. Simple as that. Um, you know, I, I don't see the the intent or the incentive to foreclose in that aspect at all. With Bethesda, I, f I see it being a different thing with, with different types of games, right? But I don't see it being a thing with, with large multiplayer titles, right? Especially annually releasing multiplayer titles like Call of Duty, right? Um, after that argument is the effect of foreclosure on competition. So what that means, it's not on a competitor, which in this case would be Sony, but on the verb competition itself, or for another form, the, the competitive process is another way of saying that. Um, they can't show how Call of Duty is essential input, as we kind of already talked about, and they can't establish any incentive to foreclose, so the judge has told the FTC that they have to prove that the competitive process would be seriously harmed and be bad for consumers should this hypothetical foreclosure happen. I, I didn't hear a single argument saying that, you know, arguing that. They said if all these other things happened, this could happen. Not will, could happen. And those are, those are kind of big, big things to think of there. Um, kind of nearing the end of this, there's competitive response, which is how others in, this, in the industry would be able to react should this foreclosure happen. So this hypothetical foreclosure that has already been sworn that isn't going to happen, we have deals in place that basically says it isn't happening, um, it happens somehow. Well, everybody's known for a couple years already, at this point already, so there's that. But there's also the deal signed and all that. But even ignoring that, um, they're more than able to adjust their prices, improve their product, innovate, or find any sort of solution to mitigate that, right? 
um, the, the assumption relies on Call of Duty being essential input and being foreclosed, and we've already kind of talked about how that isn't the case. So how can how can it be a competitive response issue? You know, I, I have said before, if anybody in the market is going to be able to counter Call of Duty, it's Sony because they own the only studio that's ever been able to counter Call of Duty, which is Bungie, right? And, you know, before all the Battlefield fans jump up and down, I'm just going to say, what the heck happened with the last Battlefield first, right? Like EA just doesn't, I think, have the commitment in them to invest in the tech and invest in the people needed to make it happen properly. Um, and they are third party, but they're competing with the same thing as what they're going to be competing with either way. Right. So we, we've kind of shown how that's, that's all absurd. And then, uh, lastly, we have the remedies already in place. This, this is another requirement that can't be ticked. There can't be any remedies in place or you can't get the PI. Um, and the FTC is urging the judge not to take the remedies that are already in place into consideration because obviously it destroys their argument. Um, I'm not sure how a judge who has been asked by the FTC to make a decision on current market realities can be asked not to take current market realities into consideration, but okay, I guess. Um, I don't expect to the, the judge to actually even decide on this. There probably won't be a decision actually filed on the docket about the specific uh, argument um, or, or merit or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I doubt we're really going to get a crack this nut and set a kind of a precedent for later. Um, but the judge did say in the trial when she was asked to ignore these remedies, she said, but if Microsoft already has remedies in place, then the FTC has done its job and it's won. You know, like their job is to ensure a fair market for consumers and that there's no monopolistic practices at play. And I kind of touched on it, you know, monopolistic practices, a monopoly. Like that was a childish argument from childish people on the internet at the onset of this merger. It's even more absurd to even think of it now. But like a, a monopoly means I have all the pieces. You can't make the pieces without going through me. You can't make the, the puzzle without going through me. Right. So like a monopoly would be in and, and they can be contained markets. They can be smaller markets. Sure. But let's say there is. um you know, a broader area of, let's say, a state. And in that state, there's only one um, company that manufactures water. That would be a monopoly on water, right? And uh, that wouldn't be allowed, right? That would be, They would be ordered to be bro broken up into smaller companies. Um, that's that's a monopoly. Uh Microsoft, who is the smallest of the three video game console manufacturers um, in terms of in all console performance metrics, uh, you, you have to ignore the fact that it's a two and a half trillion dollar company because Xbox is a separate company within Microsoft, right? They hold it separate. Um, Xbox has its own budget and operating revenues and it does not operate like it has to explain why it's operating the way it is and has to be accountable that way. That's why there was layoffs. That's why there's things like that that happen. Um, anyways, uh, Sony and, and or, or sorry, PlayStation and Nintendo being bigger than, than Xbox, um, them buying a company does not in any way, shape or form make a monopoly. 
it's it's not a monopoly on video games it's not a monopoly on video game studios and it's not a monopoly on publishers it's not a monopoly on first person shooters it's not even a monopoly on online first person shooters so it, it's not a monopoly right people that use that word don't understand what the word means simple as that it's it's poor education and poor knowledge um so it's kind of because of all these things that I just talked about that I believe the judge is going to deny the PI and allow Microsoft to close the deal. Um, I think there may be a couple things where she goes, you know, there might be a point here, but I'm going to rule in this way. But I, I think largely it's going to rule in Microsoft's favor and they're going to be denied the, the preliminary injunction. The FTC is going to be denied rather the preliminary injunction and Microsoft will be open to close the deal in five business days from that decision reaching the docket. The decision will be sealed until it's redacted and, and censored for, for public consumption, but the decision itself will appear on the docket almost immediately um, from when it's filed. And when is that going to happen? I think it happens July 5th, which is, I believe, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, July 5th. Um, and I think it's going to happen later in the day after the market's closed. Bear in mind, she is out of California, San Diego specifically, and uh, and has the opportunity there to um, to do that during kind of regular business hours for her and the market's being closed um, everywhere else. So, and why is that? Because it's going to affect the market. It doesn't matter which way she she pulls the trigger on this, it's going to affect the market. And the market needs time to react to that so giving it um giving them overnight so the market doesn't go bonkers in the morning probably a pretty good idea and why do i think it's going to happen on july 5th uh well the judge's calendar is public it's part of their like schedule on the on the court document or sorry on the court website um she's got prior commitments on thursday friday she's overseeing a multitude of other things different trials and other things as well um so i don't think it's going to happen then and then you have like it could be she has it done and then an aide files it or something later right could be that but her decision will be made before she goes to those dates i think because the other possibility is she works the weekend and and does the decision i think that probably pushes it too late for any sort of reaction to it because the close date of the deals next week so or sorry the expiration date of the deals next week and it can't negatively impact that, right? If, it, if it's PI, if she issues a PI and, and or upholds the PI, then she um, they have th that time to react to it by filing for uh, an appeal and, and getting lawyers to drop extensions of, of the contract on terms of that appeal and things like that, right? Pushing it too much later than that doesn't really allow that to happen. So I, I think that's why. Um, there's also a lot of other reasons why I think this PI will be denied. Uh, one of which is the high trading value of ABK stock. People are buying it left, right, and center. Um, and, and in huge swaths as well, big chunks of it. Um, another is due to the speculators and risk adjudicators that are kind of all betting on the sidelines here. Um, and they're, they're saying this deal is going to be closing successfully. Um, analysts are saying that, you know, you turn on, that money show on CNBC, I can't remember the name of right now for the life of me. Uh, if you turn that on and they're talking about it, they're saying it's going through and this is why the FTC is wrong. Um, 
so I, th you know, I, I, I like that, right? I, I think that's the correct ruling. And I think that is what needs to happen. And, you know, maybe every single antitrust expert that really doesn't have a horse in this race is saying it's going to go through might have also another part of to do with why I think that as well. Um, it also could be maybe because there hasn't been a vertical merger denied in the United States of, of I don't want to say like this, not of this caliber or size. There's been nothing of this caliber or size, but um, of the scoper or anything like that, but of like this format, right? There hasn't been a vertical merger like this format denied in the United States in the last half of a century. So that it would break all precedent, right? Um, there's also another interesting aspect, the because the, the way the Senate split in the United States right now, the Republicans are now adding two or three, two, I believe, more uh, more members to the FTC, right? Uh, Lena Khan being the, um, the chair of the FTC, there's, there's two more Dems, or two more Democrats there, and they kind of have run to the House while having two dissenting votes from Republican side will probably favor big business because that's what Republicans typically do. Um, you know, there's kind of a lot to chew on there. I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how it comes down. I don't think I'm going to do anything live when it does come down. We'll see. Um, yeah, it depends on kind of how interesting the, the, breakdown is of her decision if there's a lot of you know subtext there to, to boil uh, down and discuss and yeah i think uh, there's a possibility i'd do something about that but we'll see it also depends entirely on how busy i am which i do have a few things happening this week it's not as busy as most weeks thankfully but i do have some stuff happening so we've got to take all that into consideration i got to be ready for this weekend show as well at any rate i hope you enjoyed this mini and the mini episode and the mini breakdown that went along with it of the Microsoft ABK versus FTC trial and kind of what to expect. There will be a new episode as usual on Friday and audio listeners. I've noticed that sometimes it's been on Saturday before that gets populated on your side of things. I apologize for that. I'm going to try to get them done earlier, but I think it's just the scrape, not picking it up on time, which means um, like the Apple music or whatever, just not skipping it up quick enough. Um, We'll see if maybe I can bump it up ahead to to uh, to help that out a little bit. Um, it's probably not going to happen this Friday because I do have commitments on Friday afternoon uh, doing a, a couple things with my old man. So there's that. Um, all right, that just about does it for this show. Uh, you can find more from us on Twitter by following Amarin Studios. That is A-M-A-R-R-E-N-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. Or on YouTube, our link is in the audio description of the show. If you do watch us on YouTube and want to bring us wherever you go, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you find your pods. I've been Warren. You have been the best audience I could ever ask for. Thank you for joining us and see you next time.